Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Last weekend in Canada, Red Bull joined an exclusive club. 100 wins for the team from Milton Keynes. Led from the beginning by Christian Horner and the design powerhouse, their chief technical officer, that is Adrian Newey, who was there long before their first win and has overseen every single one of them. Now, we were very happy to sit down with Christian Horner to talk about that journey from 2009 all the way through to 2023 and perhaps into the future as well as Red Bull join an exclusive club alongside Ferrari, who got to their 100th win in 1990, McLaren, who did it in 93, Williams in 97 at the British Grand Prix, and more recently, Mercedes, who hit 100 in 2019 at the Mexican Grand Prix. And our Grand Prix editor sat down with Christian Horner for a chat about how they did it and perhaps where they're going next as well. Alex Kalinokis, our Grand Prix editor, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. You join us from a racetrack somewhere, not sure if we can say where or even what's going on. Uh, You're not driving the car today, but we can hopefully hear something firing up in the background. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, I wish I was driving. It's uh, it's very atmospheric, this place, actually. I'm at Pembury, which is a track I'd never been to in uh, in South Wales. Um, obviously, a lot of lot of motorsport history here, not uh, not a lot of major series visiting these days. Uh, but yeah, I can't say on this podcast what we're here for. There will definitely be a subsequent podcast explaining it, though. And it'll be something that will be very, very visible across autosport.com, particularly on the front cover of the magazine, over the F1 summer break. So check out what we've been doing at Pembury today in August, even though I can't tell you absolutely anything at the moment. Oh, what a tease. Yeah, something very special on track today from another big name in Formula One, actually, when we went to them and said, hey, we'd like to run a feature on this over the summer break. And how about getting one of your cars out of the factory and running something classic for us? They were like, yep, sure, we can do that for Autosport. So uh, yeah, I can say no more. I can say no more. But it's a real a real honour to be able to have that conversation with Formula One teams. One of the joys of working here at Autosport. One of the joys is that you can go to a team like Red Bull and say to Christian, hey, we know that 
you're going to get to 100 wins this year. Do you want to sit down at your leisure when it's not busy around a Grand Prix weekend? Let's pretend you've won the 100 and talk about what it was like. And what an interesting insight into the mentality of top sports people, of high achievers, of people who know what it takes to just compete at the highest levels. They And they, they came back to us. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this. They said, yeah, sure, happy to talk, but let's do it after we get to 100. Let, we just want to focus on getting there. How amazing. Is that they could have just said, yeah, sure, we can do that whenever. Uh, we know we're going to be winners this year, but they didn't. And that is, I mean, it's the psychology. I find that side of the sport very interesting from a team that, let's face it, they're going to win this year. But uh, there's a little glimpse behind the scenes of, of how it all works. So you finally sat down with Christian on Monday after they hit 100. What was it like? What mood was he in? Tell us, well, just tell us all about it. Yeah, it's really interesting because um, it's almost like a superstition. It's just like, let's really not go over the top with this because ultimately yes we do have this amazing car they don't let go of that next race mentality next race next race and eventually that becomes something massive like a like a championship so yeah I don't know if you, the microphone's probably picking up something that's firing up in the background that you'll be able to read about in August but there we go uh, but yeah actually I um, you, you know with their PR Paul we arranged a, a chat Monday afternoon Christian was back in the factory because uh, you know I've sort of seen videos about how his office is like opposite Adrian Newey's and things like that so that's really cool and uh and yeah, there he was in his, his Alpha Tauri shirt, absolutely pristine. You know, obviously up front of the plane in an overnight flight, not too not too shabby for Christian. It was nice to go down memory lane and and and, and talk about the journey the team's been on with him. Really, yeah, it always amazes me how quickly people in Formula One get out of the racetrack on a plane and by the Monday they're just back at work I remember interviewing Jensen Button in 2009 the day after he won his world championship how is he not still in Brazil partying weeks later but no I think Rubens Barrichello had lent him his private jet or was his present for winning the world championship Rubens had said hey take my plane and go home and yeah the next day Jensen was back here talking to idiots like me in the media and getting on with things like you you are you've achieved your life's dream and then there they are the next day focused and working which is just amazing so yeah so cool that you got to 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 see that insight into christian and red bull the team that transitioned from being jaguar racing put up for sale in 2004 and red bull otherwise known as sponsors they'd seen them on the sauber team they were in and around motorsport for a long time but never as an owner of a formula one team Um, red bull came along bought the team in 2004 david coulthard very famously was part of their initial driver lineup and christian horner installed from day one there as the team principal and very early went after the best people in the business and that includes adrian newey now We'll get, I want to talk about Adrian, about Adrian separately in a moment, but let's talk a little bit about the journey that the, the team have been on, Alex, and what did Christian talk about in terms of the genesis of the team and how quickly they built that success? Yeah, so it, we covered a lot of ground. You know, I didn't feel like Christian was just giving a simple, quick, let's get through this answer. I did I did feel like he took his time to, to think about his answers and, and answer them fully. There was, you know, he's still an F1 team principal at the end of the day, so there was a certain amount of sort of word salad, bluster. But in between that, especially when we got to, you know, some really detailed bits about certain things, you, could, you know, he, he, he really were, you know, he, he himself was sort of opening up and seemed to be enjoying himself, which was good. And particularly, so what I wanted to talk about was a few things sort of historically, you know, we've done a piece in the magazine charting Red Bull's journey from win number one to win number 100. So it was, what were your memories of China 2009 going into that Vettel title era? I also wanted to know, you know, look, do you feel like looking back on 2009 with actually 
it would have, it might have been Sebastian Vettel you were talking to, Martin, rather than Jensen Button after that Interlagos race. Because actually, you look at the points. Red Bull won the last three races. Christian made the point. He says, uh, where, "Where is it? I've got I've got my notes here." If it had been Stefano running the show, Stefano Domenicali, and we'd have had twenty three races, we would have come out on top because we were closing up rapid uh, a pace of knots. And also, don't forget, Sebastian Vettel made a few errors. You know, think back to Australia, the crash there, the team operationally just not quite as sharp as it is now. So it was, you know talking about what it was like back then his specific memories and also you know how the journey has been up until now because it hasn't always been easy for Red Bull I mean it it's sort of relatively easy it's not like it was HRT Mauritius Lotus back in those you know early 2010s right but they had the challenge of Sebastian Vettel becoming an F1 great alongside Mark Webber who was like this is my time to finally win a title and two very different characters and there were problems and you know you know the famous flare-ups in Turkey in Malaysia all of that and then obviously you've got the the difficult period for Red Bull around the engines and all the controversy uh, you know Renault not being in their eyes up to scratch because it was down on power it was unreliable it wasn't the all-conquering Mercedes engine and and also I think Red Bull in that period picks up a lot of a lot of negativity because it was suddenly like oh hang on a minute they're just complaining about because they're not winning and it's like from their point of view it's like look we, we, we think we're still good enough to win it's just this key component that we're paying for is, is letting us down and then you've got Max Verstappen arriving and it's the sort of the, the the trough between two very high peaks of F, of great F1 drivers, and it's really interesting to talk to Christian about what it was like managing Sebastian Vettel and what it was like what it is like managing Max Verstappen. And how, what did he say about those differences and similarities? Maybe yeah. So well, it's really interesting. He says they're two entirely different characters. Um, so he, you know, he then talks about like you know going back and and learning things that he implemented with or discovered experience working with Sebastian Vettel and Mark Webber, as I said, and the things that didn't go so well there. But with Vettel, I think that what comes across is just how thorough he was. So Horner says Sebastian was a great guy to work with. He was hugely committed. He was incredibly hardworking, a very methodical and organised in the way he went racing he would go and see the Pirelli factory to understand how the tyres were manufactured he would go to that length of detail he just wanted more and more information and I then, I then joked, I said well I can't imagine Max is, uh, is visiting the uh, Pirelli factory to go and have a look at the tyres and uh, uh, he, he, he didn't quite laugh but there was a, a, some, somewhat of a smile but then just came back with I, I thought it was you know, a really interesting insight is he said Max is the most straightforward driver I've ever had in that you bolt him in you know you're going to get 110%. He'll expect 110% back. He'll tell you exactly how it is, what's in his mind at that point. He's just an out-and-out racer. And I think that really does demonstrate the difference between Vettel, who's all about, give me as much information as I can get, and uh, Verstappen, who's like, give me, as, give me as much information as I need, and I'll do the rest. Yeah, what a formidable talent Max is at the hands of a racing car with a team like Red Bull behind him, clearly making him the number one, designing the car, focusing everything around him. Because, well, he would bring success to the team. That first Honda success. Wow, Honda's return to Formula One. You forget that they were only successful because of what was win number 60, I believe it was, in Red Bull's history. Win number 60 was the first Honda success, that late charge at the Red Bull ring back in, in 2019. It's so funny to think of Max Verstappen. You know, he I think he received an offer from Mercedes to join their driver development program almost 10 years ago, back in 2014. And also... 
There's the offer of the Red Bull junior team, and you have to say that was the right decision for Max Verstappen to go to go Red Bull at the time. Starting off for uh, Toro Rosso alongside Carlos Sainz, wasn't it? What was that? The Aussie Grand Prix in 2015. Wow, it's uh, he's been in Formula One a long time. It feels like to me only now a, a lot of people catching on to how good Max Verstappen is. Looking at Red Bull in stats, though, they have started 355 races. We know they've won 100. They have 88 poles, fastest laps, 89. And it's a pretty nice trophy cabinet if you ever turn up at uh, their buildings or buildings, the sprawling site in Milton Keynes. Six drivers' titles, five constructors' championships, and plenty of trophies to their name. The most successful car so far, the RB18 in 2022, but you can't really mention that without saying well 2023 is going to be a season to remember with the rb19 and it's only a third written of the 2023 story so far another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Alex, can you tell us if you talk to Christian about how Red Bull were treated? Firstly, when they entered Formula One, taking over that Jaguar racing team. And also from being the plucky upstart, the team that would play the loudest music in the garage, that uh, zigged when everyone zagged, that, but... Now, 10 years later and 100 wins later, the team that are sitting at the very top table of Formula One, that argued their way to increased payments back in the Bernie Eccleston era of Formula One to join the likes of Ferrari that received those extra payments for being a grandee, if you like, and, and having to scrap and fight tooth and nail for everything. How they balance that? Because I think they still want to keep that scrappy, upstart, almost outsider image at times. But how do you do that when you are clearly becoming the establishment and one of the grandy teams? Did you did you talk about that journey that they've been on? Yeah, completely. And that, that's obviously a key part of the story that we've got to tell in explaining the journey from win number one to win number 100. Because it was interesting, I, I, I read, went back and read the Autosport magazine report from 2009. And uh, um, Mark Hughes has described it as, you know, an underdog team celebrating in the pit lane and you think in 2023 wow was Red Bull really once described as an underdog team that you know it was it was a sensational story that had gone from being Jaguar and not winning anything and barely getting points and podiums and the same with you know what they did with Minardi becoming Toro Rosso and AlphaTauri and eventually you know those winning races with those two teams and um, so with 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 that with that obviously it's still one team you know the two, the two identities that it's had so I did I did want to talk about the whole political power journey that they've gone through because it was an underdog team and then especially when it started winning it was an upstart team like in the views of its rivals that is so you know you had the famous Lewis Hamilton comment Red Bull's just a drinks company um, you had also you know a lot of if you go back if you read the, the reports from the period especially in 2010 there's an incredible focus from other teams about 
that's suggesting that there's impropriety going on with the Red Bull cars, whether it's the way the bodywork was supposedly flexing and the wings being subjected to, to really stiff tests and, and just like variable ride heights and things like that. And, and, the, and the point is, is that, is that especially in 2010 or in 2010 specifically, if, if we talk about that as an example, the FIA t- tested everything and nothing was found to be the problem. But about the animosity back then, back then, he said, well, obviously that was uncomfortable when automotive manufacturers were trying to sell cars. How do you justify that? As in, how does a, a, a manufacturer like Mercedes, when it had come back in 2010, McLaren, when it was you know sort of waning its power, and Ferrari, how are they explaining to their senior management or their shareholders, etc., we're being beaten by a fizzy drinks company? And then gave this very very specific example of how actually in his mind, Eccleston suddenly came to realise that what Red Bull was so good at with its marketing, with what Horner says, things like running show cars, all the marketing support, the way we took Formula One to the people and ran cars with celebrities in or up mountains or in cities where you wouldn't expect to see Formula One. For Equistone, according to Horner, he saw that value and he said that previously Bernie said that Ferrari were the Rolling Stones, Red Bull was the best support act you could possibly have. He suddenly realised that they were the main act by that point in its journey. Well, of course, the story of Red Bull can't be told without also talking about how, at the very beginning, one of Christian Horner's brilliant moves was to bring in Adrian Newey, who had a successful career in sports cars and designing single-seaters in the early 1980s. That would bring him to the attention of Formula One and March and Leighton House in the late 80s, then moving to Williams, where, of course, famously, he was there during the time of 94 and Imola and losing Ayrton and Senna and everything that followed that. And and the fingers being pointed at the design of the car, and was there anything wrong with the car? Natural questions to ask, I understand, but that must have been, can you imagine having to even go to court and prove your innocence and the finger being pointed and all of that? So an enormously intense period of time before he would then leave and go to McLaren, and it's been described as to me as McLaren let him slip through their fingers. It was widely reported at the time, if I remember correctly, that they didn't want to open up the checkbook as much as Red Bull were. And you kind of, hindsight's twenty twenty, but you look back and you go, wow, well, if only McLaren had paid him some more money to stay and not join this this young upstart party team in, in Red Bull. And I'm sure since then, because these stories float around Formula One all of the time, I'm sure that the likes of Ferrari have, have often said, name your price. But he hasn't. He has stuck with a team that he'd joined before they were successful and has seen them through all of their success so did you talk about adrian newey and there's actually a story this week following canada where the retirement word was was brought up and he's not going anywhere today or tomorrow you know anytime soon but everyone's career has different stages and so he won't be there forever we are entering a new rules era are we alex in 2026 and how much will he be involved in that era when Red Bull become a manufacturing, an engine manufacturing team as well. I'm sure the competitors would like to say, hopefully no involvement, that this genius designer brought them so much success. Did you? How much did you talk about Adrian Newey? Horner was saying that actually his influence, it's not just on specific bits of car design. He's, a, like a, he's an inspirational figure, is how Horner describes it at, at Red Bull. Because of course, you know, you've got Pierre Wache, who's the technical director and, and obviously very, very, very important to how well Red Bull has been doing. And that, that team that Red Bull built around and beneath Newey because there was a period the Horner actually says he, he became very disillusioned with Formula One. Red Bull is, is becoming something else in 2026. It is, it's not quite the, like, Alfa Romeo, 
sounds like a manufacturer in Formula One. It just isn't. It's Sauber with some advertising on it. Red Bull, it's not uh, it's not an automotive manufacturer, but it is a Formula One manufacturer when it starts building its own engine and does the things that, you know, that Horner talked about, having the engineers all under one roof and, and things like that. How can that can improve? So, yeah, that's what we talked about. And, and what was really interesting was that it was sort of the last sort of line. It was interesting. I, my question was, I just wanted to, you know, I didn't expect him to answer it, but it was, do you think Red Bull gets the credit it deserves for its F1 success and obviously it was you know well it's difficult it's difficult in the moment to say it's only when you stand back and look what what's been achieved that things sort of think in but then he went on to answer you know we're still relatively the new kids on the block we're one of the newer teams in Formula 1 and you know you can see the following of the team growing and growing only history will dictate what we ultimately achieve and do but we've got some exciting chapters coming up we're going to be our own power unit manufacturer and this was something I particularly enjoyed um, from, from what Horner said a lot of people that think we're going to fall on our face by picking that route in terms of building its own engine Red Bull but believe me there's determination within this group to make sure that it succeeds and another thing that I wanted to ask him about was something that I think Red Bull I get the feeling it's this team that draws power draws strength from an us versus them mentality you know if you think about the history of sports some of the biggest sports stars Michael Jordan for example Tom Brady but particularly Jordan there's that great documentary on Netflix if you go and watch it he talks about almost essentially inventing things in his own mind to get annoyed about uh, to make him perform better and I don't think I don't think Red Bull do that at all but I think they're very very close-knit closed ranks they are not universally liked. I think, you know, the, Horner points out to the fact that they're popular in America. We at Motorsport Network did that, you know, global fan survey with F1 that showed that, yes, they are growing in popularity. And I think Drive to Survive has a lot to do with that. But actually, if you look back historically, particularly in the UK, but, uh, you know, other places around the world, Red Bull isn't universally popular. And it's important to ask uh, ask why and think about why. And you think about all the arguments over the Renault engine, the various driving controversies, the fact that Red Bull sometimes hasn't reined in its drivers enough. You think about Max Verstappen and the terrible comments he made in Portugal in 2020. You think about Sebastian Vettel and Multi-21. How was that allowed to happen? Things like that. So it's important to think about Red Bull as an overall picture because their story is so varied and so interesting but at this point in time, we're talking about that great statistic. And, and there we go. It must be said, whatever you think of Red Bull, their success has got to be uh, respected. And it's a tremendous amount of success. And they're going to have even more of it in 2023, believe me. Let's end it there, Martin. Congratulations to Red Bull. 100 wins, 15 more. And they overtake Williams in the in the standings in terms of number of, of, of win totals in Formula One. Wow, what an achievement. And thank you so much for uh, nailing him down finally and uh, putting all those questions to Christian, which you can read online, autosport.com. And of course, if you get the magazine, if you're a subscriber already, thank you for supporting the work that we do here. And you get your magazine dropping through your letterbox every single Thursday. Uh, You can find out more about that. By the way, go to autosport.com slash plus to get access uh, to the plus subscriber area where we have uh, our amazing writers like Alex, our Grand Prix editor, uh, and those big long reads, the data analysis that we do in the plus section you can find out more about it and even get a free trial to it as well uh, by checking out autosport.com slash plus and uh, check out all the red bull 100 coverage that we are doing as we celebrate an amazing achievement thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next one Podcast Network.